Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 108 with Boris Valdhulsen van Zentan of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth Ghost, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Barbara Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. Wow, I have to say um, that uh, me reading out that episode, I had to have a bit of a chuckle because, what can I say, Boris's uh, full name is is a little bit of a tongue twister, (laughs) but uh, always about the challenges and uh, it's, you know, I, it's safe to say you guys are in for an absolute treat. Uh, this guy is an absolute weapon um, as, you know, you guys are entrepreneurs, you guys are founders, you know, you guys are listening to this. I'm sure you would have heard of the, you know, the infamous, famous tech website, The Next Web. So this is uh, pretty much a fully fledged media company, uh, one of the top 2000 websites on the internet generates tens of millions unique visitors every single month. These guys are a legit media company. And uh, what they have built and what Boris has built is something that of, of scale um, that I'd like to achieve with Founder as a media company. Um, it's always really interesting to hear people that are building similar kind of businesses to you uh, and, and seeing how they approach it. And, uh, you know, Boris shares a ton of gold around what it takes to build a successful media company, content. And also, um, you know, he really breaks the myth that uh, you can't build a successful media company. And uh, me and him uh, think alike. You know, I I feel really privileged and glad to say this and happy to say is that me and him think alike of the way that we approach the business model of a media, media startup. 
So yeah, fascinating interview, really cool guy. Uh, you guys are in for an absolute treat. Uh, so if you are enjoying these interviews, please, please, please do take the time to leave us a review. Uh, it helps more than you can imagine. Uh, please do tell your friends if you are enjoying this. If you can tell a couple of friends, spread the word of the brand. That helps us big time too. All right, guys, that's it from me. Now let's jump into the show. I'm going to ask you the first question I ask every single person that comes on to the show, and that is, how did you get your job, Boris? Uh, I created my job because it didn't exist yet, uh, and uh, that uh, started when I uh, started my first company. Uh, and then, of course, when you start your company, you're everything. You're the developer and the designer and the sales guy and the CEO and the CFO. So uh, so that's how I got started. Yeah, wow. And so can you tell us about like how the Next Web got started and, and when, you, when you founded it and, and run us through the story of, of how it all come together? Because... You know, I'm a massive fan of what you guys are doing. You, you know, you're one of the top tech websites in the world. Uh, you know, leading authority. So, how did it all start? It started about ten years ago when we had a, a company ourselves, and uh, uh, we uh, wanted to launch it at a conference, but we couldn't really afford to go to a conference uh, because our funding was very limited. And at one point, my business partner said very naively, uh, why don't we organize our own conference? And then, you know, if it runs break even, it's still cheaper than sponsoring somebody else's conferences. And and we figured, like, how hard can it be? So, uh, and of course, it turned out to be a lot harder than we uh, thought and it took longer than we thought and it was more expensive than we thought. So actually, I think we uh, lost some money on the first event. But the interesting thing was that uh, we suddenly noticed that we had a great network and um, uh, that it was relatively easy for us because of the position we were in to start a conference. So at the end of the first conference, I I, uh, spoke to uh, another entrepreneur and I said, you know, this was really cool, uh, this uh, conference. I, I think we'll do another one next year. And then he said, well, of course you're doing another one. Nobody just just one conference. Uh, every conference is an investment in the next one. So uh, we, I walked over to my business part and I said, well, apparently uh, we're now in the conference business because uh, you can just do one. And then the second year, we uh, noticed that it was you know, difficult to get media partnerships um, uh, like negotiated. And we also saw, like on the on the blog we maintained for the conference, we saw a drop off in traffic, like after the conference, because people were living sort of towards the conference, and then it happened, and then you have no reason to visit the conference blog anymore. So we sort of made a calculation on the back of an envelope, and we said, like, if we hire one full time writer, how much would that be, and then how many tickets do we have to sell, and do we believe that if we write eight stories a day and get traffic from that, that it will sell an extra 60 tickets or something. And we figured, uh, yeah, that would probably work. So we hired our first writer, and he started writing, well, maybe six or seven articles uh, a day. Oh, and we yeah. saw traffic, traffic uh, starting to pick up. And so at one yeah. point, we figured might as well hire another writer and then another. And pretty soon, it uh, started uh, yeah, blowing up. And um, I remember at one point... That our editor in chief said uh, back at the time when there was still the Technorati uh, 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 like list of, of most influential blogs in the world. And I think we were at like 6 million out of 200 million. And he said, you know, my goal is to break through 
the uh, 100 thousands and one day end up in the top 100. And I remember thinking that was like the most unrealistic thing I've I ever heard because we were you know, like in the millions out of 200 million and the top 100 was so impressive. But then within a year, we broke through 100,000. And then a few months later, we went through 10,000. And eventually, we ended up at number eight or something. So it's it's one of those stories where sort of one thing followed out of the other logically versus that we started out with this world domination plan. And we figured these were the logical steps to take. Yeah, wow. And out of curiosity, how many conferences do you guys still run right now? We've had 10 conferences in Amsterdam. Uh, that's the biggest event we have also. So next year, the 11th edition, uh, we expect 20,000 attendees from more than 60 countries. Uh, usually more than 50% of the attendees is, is not from the Netherlands. So it's a very, very internationally focused uh, uh, conference. But we also did events in Sao Paulo, uh, Brazil, and we just had our third event uh, conference in New York. And uh, last conference in New York, we had 1,600 attendees. And uh, and that's been doubling every year. So uh, so New York is also growing very fast. And I hope, I expect it uh, to uh, be just as big as uh, Amsterdam at one point. Yeah, okay, wow. And, you know, it sounds like you guys are in two different businesses because you're in the content business, but then you're also in the events business. Uh, how do you guys focus between the two and choose? And, and what are your thoughts on the direction of, of the next web? Yeah, it's a good question. It seems that the two are very different. It's like online and offline. Mm. Uh, we see it differently. We think we're a, a future-proof media company. Um, we have a, a very trustable brand. Uh, people know that we provide quality, but we also have a sense of humor. And that translates well to other other products. So we also have an e-commerce platform called Deals where we sell stuff that we think is cool uh, or remarkable uh, to our audience and it, it, it works very well. Uh, the other thing we announced last week is that we're opening a, a space. So a physical space, a huge building in the center of Amsterdam where we'll host um, uh, startups and entrepreneurs and we work together with Google and Booking.com. And for some people, it's, it's sort of weird. They're like, what? You've got a conference and a, and a website, and now you're opening a space. That's like a totally different thing. But for us, the, the conference has always strengthened the news part of the company and, and vice versa. And the uh, physical space that we're opening now feels like just an extension of the conference. So for a week, a year, we used to... Uh, bring together like uh, the very inspiring people, the entrepreneurs that all recognize each other's talents and, and focus. And we're extending that now from one week a year to 52 weeks a year in, in a space in Amsterdam. So for us, it's a logical next step in, instead of sort of uh, losing focus or, or, or branching out into different areas. They're all connected by the brand, uh, curiosity in technology and, uh, and the future of technology. Mm, I see. And are you guys funded, self-funded? 
We're self-funded. Uh, we do. We raised a, a small informal round uh, a few years ago, so we have, we have a few smaller uh, uh, shareholders. But uh, but yeah, we're self-funded and uh, are very independent, and and that's sort of a, a good thing and bad thing. Uh, the it makes you less powerful, less flexible. But we have a thing called uh, Dutch Efficiency, where uh, we've been hosting these international events with a very small but uh, dedicated team. So we have competitors that uh, have an editorial board that's like five times as big as ours. But they're still doing, uh, they're not doing as well as we are in the, in the global uh, rankings. So apparently we are doing something well and 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 the freedom that uh, not being funded brings with it is is very uh, appealing for us mm, i see and like can you give us a, a gauge on like some of the metrics or or some some numbers around the company uh how many staff you know how many website hits do you get per month are you able to share or give some insight around how far you've taken it yeah, I'll tell you a few things. Uh, we're with uh, about 50 people. Uh, these are all just full-time employees. Uh, there are some freelancers. There's uh, There are people who contribute regularly. So if you look at like the writers on the, on the news site, uh, it's a lot more than just the 15 people we have in the editorial. There's also um, columnists and regular contributors, some sponsored content. So, uh, so it's difficult to say like how how big the next web really is apart from like the full time employees we have. Uh, the news part does about six or seven million, sometimes eight million uh, visitors a month. Um, I think they visit an average of uh, one and a half stories a day. Uh, so you can calculate the page views from there. Uh, we have about two and a half million followers on social media, and they're spread out over uh, Facebook and Twitter mostly, but then uh, we're, we have a presence on every social network out there really and something we take pride in to uh, also play around with Snapchat and Instagram and WhatsApp and really everything uh, that's out there. Mm, I see, well, and when it comes to, you know, we talk about media companies, what is your thoughts on, on the future for media companies? Because you like, it's, it's kind of like a lot of people say that it's very difficult to, to build a profitable media company. It's, it's, it's a hard game. Like, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's, uh, it's a very interesting time to be alive if you're interested in that stuff. Uh, and the, the global landscape is, is changing enormously. I think if you see all those changes as opportunities, you're you know you could have a great time, uh, and we're having a great time. Like uh, we see every new platform that comes up, we see as a, as an interesting opportunity to play around with and and see what we can do with it. Uh, I think there are a lot of publishers like us that are investing in technology and doing great things. There's also a group of publishers or media companies that um, that look more at what they've lost or about to lose and see technology as a sort of a necessary evil. So they'll have a website, but you can just feel that their heart is not in it. And that's a group that has a very tough time now because it's like, you know, I spoke to a magazine publisher a couple of months ago and he told me a story about how he had a magazine 10 years ago and 
four people build it and um, produce it and uh, it, it made him like three million a year and it was just like effortless but of course that's a business that is now gone and he doesn't look at the internet or technology as something cool he just thinks back to the millions he's losing by uh, having seen that market evaporate uh, for us it's different right we uh, we're just new to this we like technology we come from technology we see everything as a technological challenge and that's uh, gives us a lot of strength so so i think we are very optimistic i, I know there are media companies that are equally optimistic i also know that there are a lot of media companies that uh, that are having a hard time and and um, you know i don't think being depressed about the past is going to help you build a better future so that that's an issue for some people mm. so where do you think uh the best growth channels are for you guys in terms of i guess building a, a super sustainable business model i think for us the strength comes from the network so we have this um i'm looking for the right term but it's sort of a self self-improving circle where we have the conferences and they have a great uh, grow, growth effect on, on the news uh, part of the company. And then, of course, we sell tickets because of the news part of the company. But then somebody who buys a ticket might come back to the site and they'll buy uh, a gadget on deals. And then we have a, a, um, a very powerful research uh, part of the company where we keep track of all companies in the world and how they're growing and we're building a database of like the community that is interested in in us and everybody we email with and so that strengthens the rest again and so so everything is part of a circle that is growing stronger over time and we see the same like you know a part of our revenue comes from advertising on the, just on the sites with all the traffic we have uh, and a, an important part comes from the conference and now the e-commerce uh, part is growing stronger we might go into research or consulting at one point so uh, video is still uh, out there which is more part of content but still a very interesting field so there's still so much to do and find out and there's so much room for growth that i'm, I'm not focusing on on one revenue source per se it's more uh, like the the combined revenue sources that interest me hmm yeah, because I think you guys are doing some interesting things that, uh, you know, a lot of publishers or, or, you know, content powerhouses aren't doing. Like you guys even, you guys are doing courses now, like educational courses, I see. You, you know, you said you got the deals and you, you're very heavy on events. You know, a big thing that a lot of publishers or media companies do is they do events, but you're also doing like education and stuff like that. I'm just really um, curious, you know, what is what is pushing you to to try all these other streams yeah so uh, if you look at the the like a newspaper publisher 30 years ago right the, they had three income streams it was um, just subscriptions people buying a newspaper on their way to the train and the third part was advertising and we see that that business has changed completely uh, you know you now have to find different ways to monetize and subscription is uh, only a small part of it mm. so we think that's an interesting uh, way to look at the future of media companies where uh, you know everybody's looking for the business model and the 
business model really is that you have a community that has a, uh, an interest in, in, in a certain in technology or maybe in a different niche if you're in a different niche. And we found that uh, you know, the, a part of our readers uh, want to become a better developer or a better designer or they just want to get better at something or they need a tool or they want to be inspired or uh, they want to be entertained. And really that's an, an interest or uh, you know, a problem that you can solve with content and services. To us, it's, it's we're looking at the audience and seeing, all right, how can we be of service to this audience? What problems can we solve for them? And are those logical problems that we have, a, you know, a solution for either technical or, or different? And that's, I think, the opportunity. You got to keep an open mind in, in what you're offering. And oftentimes, we'll, you know, we will get requests from the communities where we think, like, well, all right, this is now the fifth time that somebody asks us for this particular thing. Maybe there's more interest around. Maybe we should build something to come up with a solution to somebody's problem. Mm, I see. Yeah. Look, I think that's a great way to roll with things. And, and that's what we do at Founder. I'm just curious, like, do you, like, why do you think companies like, you know, other publishers, like big tech blogs, like, you know, TechCrunch uh, don't diversify as much as you guys? Why do you think that is? TechCrunch is a, is a great example, I think, of um, it's a modern company but with a very uh, classic uh, mindset. So they're really only focused on the content. Uh, they just think we'll produce, produce great content. That's our only focus. They don't really care about the technology. They don't uh, handle the technology themselves. That's outsourced. So I, I don't think, that, I, I think they're more like classical journalists uh, that really only focus on the story instead of thinking about the business. And in that sense, they're more a publisher than a technology company. I think we're more a technology company than uh, than a publisher or a media company. So we're always looking for the solutions, and 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 of course we produce great content. But we think the you know the ch challenge is bigger than just producing great content. Mm. And do you guys find because you're working on so many, like you're working on a lot of different things, do you find that? you're very spread out like um do you, do you, do you guys find that there's a there's a problem with focus or or anything like that cuz you guys are working on a lot of stuff yeah so i don't think it's a it's a problem it's something you always got to keep attention on and it's very easy to get distracted by stuff but i think we're not doing that much and the stuff that we're doing we have teams that are very dedicated to the solution or the service that they're working on so uh, i feel it's more you know i see some other publishers and where like so even some of our competitors where 95% of their re revenue just comes from ads which i think is a very dangerous position to be in because it means if there's a, you know if the economy um, slows down a little bit, the first thing that takes a hit is always uh, advertising. So you don't want to have your whole business model uh, depend on, on advertising alone. I, I feel it's a strength that we have different uh, ways of monetizing our brand, if you want to call it that. Um, and that's actually, a, yeah, a strength. Mm, yeah, I agree. Have you, so you, you guys have always been based in the Netherlands for the past 10 years? So the, the founders have been, yes, uh, but from the beginning we've had our writers uh, in um, all over the world. 
And only since about six months, we've had one of our riders at the office now. So out of the 15, one of them is in Amsterdam. But the rest is all spread out. So it feels like a very distributed team, even though the majority of the whole company is in Amsterdam. I see. Got you. And like, how do you maintain uh, your publishing schedule? That's something I'm I'm really curious. Like, you know, what tools are you using to collaborate and bring it all together? Are there anything that any cool tools or, or any like you guys love your tech? Like, is there anything that that our audience can draw on from that? Because everyone's doing content right now. Like, why? What makes you guys so effective? Well, we talk a lot about, uh, uh, we use uh, Slack a lot, uh, and that's a very productive uh, tool uh, for us. Uh, apart from that, uh, Google Hangouts, uh, Skype calls. So uh, the especially the editorial team, they're uh, in contact with, with each other like 24 hours a day. And it's great to see on, on Slack where somebody will say, uh, hey, uh, it's uh, two in the morning now, I'm going to get some sleep. And then somebody else says, oh, it's eight in the morning. I just woke up, uh, so I'll, I'll take over the stories from you and and, and then hand off uh, to the next time zone when they wake up. And that's uh, always a good, cool thing to see where the team is so uh, well organized and disciplined where you see uh, like every time zone has like a team paying attention and handing off their uh, like leads and stories uh, at the end of their shift. So it's mostly just uh, textual uh, and and uh, Slack really. Yeah. Okay. Well, wow. and as a founder, how often do you have meetings with with everyone? Like, like I'm curious. Like, how do you keep like a tab and and make sure everything's running in the right direction? Because it is difficult because you have so many people at different time zones and all around the world. Like, how does that work? Slack is really a lifesaver for us. It makes it very easy to um, talk to everybody. Uh, but even more important, it, it really allows you to to joke around, really, to to create like a, a fun atmosphere where uh, you can chat to each other in an informal and, and intimate way, which is different on, on other platforms. So that's what I do. I keep track of every channel uh, we have in, in Slack. Uh, some channels post hundreds of messages a day, so I can only just yeah, wow. jump in every now and then and sort of get a snapshot of, of what's happening. But I'll, I'll uh, jump in regularly, and uh, apart from the like the regular meetings I have with everybody in the Skype calls, uh, I try to sort of stay uh, stay, stay yeah, aware of, of everything that's happening in the in Slack. Mm, okay. um, we like the editor in chief comes over to Amsterdam every three or four weeks, and then we have longer uh, sessions to talk about like the future of the like the strategy and uh, what what went well the last few weeks, and maybe uh, like plan for the next few weeks. But I, I think we also have a an, an atmosphere where the the founders are very. Um, very trusting and and the teams are very independent so we like to hire people that are much better at their jobs than we could ever be and then give them the space to perform well and uh, so the events team is a, is a great example of that they're very independent and 
at the last event in New York, uh, like the first time I, I, I saw the event is when I were, walked in the morning itself. And it was a very strange feeling because oh, the wow. first conferences we hosted, you know, every chair that was there, I put there, we would like maintain the Wi-Fi network as, ourselves and announce all the speakers and just like make the coffee and clean the toilets, right? Just do everything. And then now to be at a point where you just walk in the morning itself and I was still uh, like opening and closing the conference and I did one interview, but it felt like a very smooth operation. And I was extremely proud that it was so independent and and, uh, and they did such a great job. Yeah, that must have been an amazing feeling because I know how stressful events can be. Just on that topic, you know, what do you guys do really well that, that makes such great events? I think we focus a lot on um, the interaction between the attendees. So if you go to a conference and you meet 20 people that are all interesting and you end up not seeing one speaker, you still have a great event. If you uh, meet a speaker, that's even better, right? Uh, like one of the famous people who have been on stage and you get to shake their hand. So we really try to keep the whole thing informal. We we don't have uh, like a VIP space for the speakers, but we try to take them through the crowd. So they meet a lot of people, shake a lot of hands. We organize the floor in such a way that if you want to get a coffee, you don't have to cross the room, then maybe stand in a small line where there are chairs nearby. So if you like talk to somebody in the line and, and they say, hey, do you want to sit down for a minute? Then you can. And these are all like sub subtle measures that really change your experience of an event. So the best compliment we got was when we had an event with uh, 2,000 people and a journalist wrote that it still felt like a private party by Boris and Patrick. And we thought that was uh, a great compliment because that's exactly what we're, we were going for. So uh, we as founders, we were uh, like at the event in New York last year, we stood at the entrance because there was a, a queue there and we just uh, welcomed everybody personally. We just like we shook hands with uh, uh, 1,200 people or something. And it was a, a small thing to do and, and it, took, uh, it took a long time. <laughs> but uh, it was a lot of fun and, and, and we just noticed that the whole atmosphere changes when you're showing that you're personally involved and uh, they can ask you any question they want. And, uh, and, and then the speakers see the same thing and they're more engaged with the audience. And so that, that's really one of our focus points. Yeah, well, that's great advice. Um, you know, just on on that events piece and, and, and the whole story, like when it comes to interviews, like I know you guys do quite a few at, at your events, you're a great interviewer. What what makes the best interviews? You know, you've done, you've done so many. I like it when there's a good connection between the person interviewing and the person being interviewed and so if they know they've known each other for a while and and the interviewer is not afraid to ask you know silly or or difficult questions and but it's not uh, like an aggressive interview but maybe a bit like uh, a teasing interviewer uh, so uh, we've seen that that really works. So we like to get people together that have known each other for a while and, and that can sort of in a natural way ask questions that maybe the person being interviewed doesn't really want to answer. Mm. And that, that always works really well. And it's also what I try to do. So even if it's somebody I don't know, I'll sit with them for a while before the interview and, and try to get a sort of 
yeah, become friends as as fast as possible. So so uh, joke around a little bit, tease them a little bit, and then try to take that with me on stage when we're uh, doing the interview. Mm. Okay, well let's um let's try let's try this on you. Like I'm curious, <laughs> right. like what what's what's a hard question that you wouldn't like to answer, or what's a question that you've never answered before? <laughs> um, there's lots. So. The interesting thing about running a company is that it always looks smooth from the outside. And I have had this myself. Uh, I sold a company to a big company once and it, I thought, oh, they must have uh, everything well organized. And then you get inside of a bigger company and then you're like, oh, it's just as chaotic as our company. Mm. And that's a thing, uh, you know, our company runs well, but of course there are always issues. And uh, so those are the questions I dread, right? Uh, it's easy to... Uh, come across as confident and well organized and efficient, but then of course when you spend uh, a week here at the office uh, and suddenly you see uh, all the issues and uh, the rough edges, then uh, and that's of course the most interesting part. Like what's going wrong, right? Mm, yeah, that's right. So what's yeah, like what's going wrong for you guys right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to regret this interview. Uh, <laughs> I so I think. Two things which are the same thing, and it's people. So it's it's very difficult to uh, scale with people. And as you grow, uh, keep everybody informed and aligned. Mm. So when I remember when we were still a small company with three or four people, uh, even up to 15, everybody knows everything, right? And you don't have to tell them because you're in the same space and everybody hears everything. So there are no secrets. There are no uh, everybody's in the loop on everything. If you get above uh, a 30, you got to start thinking about how to inform people of the processes that are going on. And we're now uh, above 50, and that means that sometimes we'll do stuff, and then somebody will come up to us and say, I didn't know about that. And they're like, oh, but we've been working on it for months, and how can you not know about it? And they're like, well, because you didn't tell me. And and so that's always a challenge, like um, uh, making sure the whole company knows what you're doing, uh, what you're working on, and and, and uh, keep everybody informed. Um, and like the second issue is just with people, right? It's it's very difficult to deal with fifty personalities. Uh, people have their own uh, issues. Um, there's a saying in the. Um, Silicon Valley that uh, like one in 10 employees will be on your to-do lists because there's something wrong, right? They're sick or they're annoyed or they have a problem with somebody else and it's something that as a founder you'll have to deal with. I think we're doing a lot better than that. But when I heard that, it was sort of a relief because I thought like, oh, I don't have that many issues at all. But still, it's uh, something you got to keep thinking about and keep investing in, really, to keep your people happy and uh, challenged and uh, and interested. Mm. Especially on that, you know, the first problem that you said you had, like, how do you keep everybody informed? What sort of things are you guys doing to try and tackle that? Like, I know you said you use Slack quite comprehensively, but I, you know, we use Slack too, a founder, and I find that when you have too many channels, it's very difficult for still everyone to just jump in and check it all the time and see what's happening for certain things. Um, so I'm just curious, like what, what else are you guys doing to try and tackle that? Well, I think it's more, um, it's an attention problem, not a technology problem. Uh, it, it's more 
that I have to be aware and people in the company have to be aware that if so certain things are happening, that you have to announce it somewhere. And and uh, I like regularly, I'll just do an ad channel update in one of the uh, more general uh, channels and I say, hey, this is happening. Uh, you should know about it. Uh, but my problem is that, uh, like, we did an announcement last week about the space, and I had informed people, like, in advance that we're doing the space. But then I forgot, like, the day before the official announcement, I forgot to tell one part of the company that tomorrow was the announcement. And they found out because they read it in the newspaper, right? So they're like, wow, you should have told us that the announcement was today. I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, well, we're just so busy with everything that that just, uh, yeah, I just forgot. So that's of course an issue because because then people feel feel left out and they think it's um, you know they might start thinking it's a trust issue or that maybe it's um, you know we think it's not important they're not important enough to share with with which of course is not the issue at all you're just preoccupied with other things and you forget that it's smart to share that stuff so so that's more the challenge for us I think. Um, like if I post it somewhere and people don't have it, they're busy themselves and they miss the message, then they're much more forgiving. They're just like, all right, well, it was announced. I just didn't read it yet. That's less of an issue. Mm, I see. Well, look, we have to look towards wrapping up, Boris. Um, I could talk to you all day, man, but <laughs> I think a good question to ask you because you you guys, you know, you pump, you produce so much content and you guys, you know, very, very high trafficked website. Uh, you guys are very good at content. You know, content is 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 massive now. Like, what to you makes the best kind of content? What advice can you give to our audience around creating great content? Well, our trick probably is that we don't focus um, as much on the fact. And that doesn't mean that we're just lying or making stuff up, although we do sometimes. Uh, but we're focusing on like the opinion analysis, uh, like the added value you can bring as a writer, which is also the hardest part. So, so the fact that something happens uh, might not be that interesting and to our audience than the fact why it happens or why it's awful that it happens or why it's great that it happens. And what we're seeing is that there are so many news sites out there now that, you know, when Apple announces the new iPhone 7, everybody will write something about it. But we know that the best information about the iPhone 7 you'll find at apple.com. But what our readers are looking for is, should I buy it, right? Or is it a worthy upgrade, like worthy of being the 7? Or which features are the killer app and which are boring. So opinion and analysis, uh, I think is the, is what will differentiate you from somebody else. And if you have a great sense of humor and you can write funny articles about uh, technology, then that's much more powerful than just being the first to write about technology. So that's what I would focus on. If you want to start a, a new site or a blog, like, what is your tone of voice? What do you bring to the news that's already out there? Mm, okay, awesome. Well, look, um, you know, that that's it from me. Uh, just one last question, and that is, are there any pieces of advice, you know, that you'd like to finish up with, you know, for our audience of aspiring novice stage entrepreneurs or, you know, people just getting started or, or looking to get started? Yeah, 
Yeah, I think my advice is uh, don't listen to advice too much and follow your own heart. Uh, uh, we started our company. Um, we were ambitious and we had dreams and uh, a vision of what it could be. But um, mostly we we went with the flow. We looked at the opportunity and and we listened to our audience uh, to see what you know what problems they had and what solutions we could offer. And this is different for every industry and every time. So there's a great book that I like to re recommend uh, entrepreneurs and it's called Founders at Work. And it's so great because every story is different and every piece of advice you get is sort of the complete opposite from what the entrepreneur in the previous chapter said. And it sort of shows that uh, every industry is different, every entrepreneur is different, and every, like every time is different as well. And what worked 10 years ago might not work today, or it might not work for you, or it might not work for your industry. So you got to find out what works for you today in your industry. Mm, that was awesome. And Founders at Work is by Jessica Livingston, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yes. It's a great book. Awesome, awesome. Okay, fantastic. Well, look... Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us, Boris. Uh, where is the best place our audience can find you? At thenextweb.com, of course. Uh, um, but I'm also on Twitter, um, at Boris. So uh, that's easy to find. And uh, I tweet a lot of our articles that I think are interesting or funny or uh, worth uh, reading. So uh, so that's all, also a good thing to, uh, to do. Follow me on Twitter. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed this interview as you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.